Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for joining me once again on Unstoppable Faith. It's always an honor and a privilege to bring you the Word of God. On today's program, this program, we're dedicating it to parents, to all parents. Uh, this is a very special, special uh, program. I have uh, an expert in communication Becky Helling on this program today she's gonna be sharing on how to listen so your kids will talk how to listen so your kids will talk she so she makes these uh, powerful statements in her book she says uh, good parenting depends on good communication the problem is we parents sometimes over talk not only is this ineffective, it discourages children from sharing what's on their hearts. Becky, she is a certified speaker, leadership coach, a trainer with the John Maxwell team. She speaks nationally and internationally at conferences, retreats, training events, and she is the founder of Moms Unleashed, an author of several books including how to listen so people will talk she's also the author of a 30 day praise challenge 30 day praise challenge for parents i'm gonna go ahead and uh, welcome my guests on the program becky welcome on this program thank you dr k it's wonderful to be with you one of your quotes that you write about and it's uh, actually an honor for me to have you on this program as I was uh, going through your book and uh, looking at the material that is covered in the book, here is the point that you share. You say, good parenting depends on good communication. The problem is we parents sometimes over talk. Not only is uh, this ineffective, it discourages children from sharing what's on their hearts. In your, in your practical book, communication and you are a communication expert I want you to take us through this book and uh, share with us some of the insightful that we need concerning uh, uh, you know raising kids so the first question I have for you uh, no before I go to the first question I just want you to talk about how did you come up with a book like this yeah, well, I wrote a book uh, in 2017 called How to Listen So People Will Talk. 
And in that book, I shared some stories about our kids. My husband and I have raised four kids. And so then the publisher came back and said, we want you to write how to listen so your kids will talk. So I prayed about it and I decided the time was right. You know, I never wanted to write a book about kids until we were done raising them because you're never quite sure how it's going to turn out, you know. So before I wrote a book on parenting, I wanted to see how how this was all going to turn out. Oh, that is, that, is, that is so incredible just to hear. Now, let's go to this question. You previously wrote that book, as you've said, How to Listen, So People Will Talk, uh, uh, and then you've given us why you did write this follow-up book, How to Listen, So Your Kids Will Talk. What do you, what, why do you think this is so important right now? I know as a parent it is, but I have to throw that question to you before I go into the second question I have. Yeah, I, I think as parents, our temptation is to talk a lot, right? We're always giving commands. Make your bed, brush your teeth, you know, don't hit your sister, you know, don't change the channel on your brother. And we have so much to say, but what we're missing sometimes is that we need to be really tuned in and listening to what our kids are saying in order to understand their heart and have that strong connection with them. And in the end, it's that strong connection with them that's going to keep Keep them in a close relationship with you as they get older. Now, your daughter, let's get personal here because we want to learn from you. You've raised your kids. You didn't just write as an author. You wrote from experience. Your own daughter, Stephanie, she yes. was a big negotiator. Yes. Did you yes. struggle to listen to her at times? And what about your other kids too? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I both communicate for a living, which means that we're very verbal, which meant that we had four kids that were very verbal. And I thought I was a pretty good parent until I had my third child. And she was absolutely adorable. She's a beautiful little girl. And she was tiny. But as the pediatrician told me when she was three, Becky, she's tiny, but she's mighty. And I remember thinking, you actually have no idea. Because Steph had a lot of opinions about everything. And she negotiated everything. Many conversations, even as a toddler, would begin with, mom, don't say no yet. And then Steph would launch into her best arguments. And if I didn't say yes right away, she just figured she hadn't tried the right arguments. So she would start all over again. And I remember on one fateful week when she was four, just going before the Lord on my knees and weeping and saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this because I'm afraid I'm messing her up and she's going to need a lifetime of therapy. I don't know what to do. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. It was so clear that it was almost audible. The Lord said, Becky, give her a voice. And I remember thinking, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, Lord. She already has a voice, I'm pretty sure. But the Lord showed me, I don't want you to silence her voice. I want you to shape her voice. And that began a long journey of me learning how to listen. 
I don't want you to silence our voice. I want you to shape our voice. That is a very powerful point right there. My goodness. And you know, I can resonate as a father. Uh, uh, I can resonate with one of my oldest kids. She'll start the conversation by telling me, don't say no yet. So that's why I'm so interested as a parent. I'm so interested in this uh, in your book with my wife and I. We're going to read this book. But for our viewers, I know this is a very important. Now, let me go to the third question I have here. What advice can you offer to the parent whose child has really built up the walls and they can't properly communicate with them? You know, children don't build walls around their heart unless they've been hurt. And so oftentimes when a child's been hurt by sharp words or by being over-disciplined or by thinking that you're not really, that you don't love them or that you favor another sibling, they're going to build walls around their heart. And at that point, parents really need to step back spend some time in prayer, and then approach your child with a genuine apology. Honey, this relationship is so important to me. I love you so very much. Help me understand how you feel. And I am sorry for the harsh words I've spoken, for the times when I've been too busy to listen, and I want to change. Will you help me change so that I can become a better listener to your thoughts and feelings? Oh my goodness. I, I'm, I, I'm thankful to God for you, and thank oh. you for coming on this program. Let me say that. Let me just say thank you so very much, because like I said, I'm going to learn a lot here. <laughs> You mentioned a few different times that lend themselves well to listen to our kids uh, during a car ride after school, etc. How do these situations work differently for different types of kids? So after school is a great time for kids that are verbal and perhaps in elementary school and I always say a snack goes a long way after school your kids are gonna come home hungry because they've been working hard all day and so you give them a snack and you invite them to tell you the stories of their day and oftentimes that works really well with elementary kids now when your kids are teens, it's a slightly different story. They may not be as verbal with you. They may not want to tell you the stories of their day. And they certainly may not want to tell you about what's going on after school. So there, a car ride goes a long way. I found with our kids that they were far more open to telling us different things that had happened in their lives when they were teens, when we were in the car together and we weren't looking directly at each other. And that works really well with our kids. Another time to talk to kids, and often this works well with preschoolers and elementary kids, is when you're tucking them in bed at night. That's a pivotal moment in a child's life. And you want to pray with them, rub their back, ask them if there's anything they want to share with you, uh, and just invite them to tell you their feelings. Wow, powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. As a parent, this is, uh, this is really, really good for us. 
Uh, how does listening to your children while they are young impact them as they grow older? This is huge. I really want the listeners to get this because the honest truth is how you listen to them when they're young will determine how much they talk to you when they're adults. When our kids were young, I often would step back from the chaos and the confusion and I would ask myself one simple question. What kind of relationship do I want to have with them when they are adults? You see, if they're going to talk to you, if they're going to stop by, if they're going to call you on the phone, if they're going to confide in you about the challenges that they have as adults, you've got to put the listening skills in place now while they're young. Because if you don't listen well to them when they're young, they're certainly not going to confide in you when they're older. Now, just a follow-up question. Um, there are parents there who say, well, most of the times I'm busy with work, I'm working too, too much, um, when I come home, I'm tired, I can't give them uh, time. What advice would you give towards that? You know, you're raising your kids, and that is your most important job. That's the key place where discipleship takes place of your kids. If you want those kids to grow up to love Jesus, home is essentially important. I remember a time in our lives, uh, Steve in my life, where ministry was crazy and busy, and it seemed like Steve was out almost every night of the week. And one night, all four of our kids had a colossal meltdown. And I just remember turning to Steve saying, hey, something's got to change here. And he called the church and said, hey, I will not be there tonight because my kids need me. And that sent such a powerful message to our kids. Listen, you got to put your phone away. Put your phone away during dinner. You know, when we were raising kids, we were more dependent on the answering machine. But now, parents get their email on their phone, they're watching Facebook, they're scanning Instagram, they're scanning news reports. Put it away and tune into your child. You don't have to put your phone away 24-7, but I recommend put it away during dinner and really focus on your kids. Put it away when you're playing a game with your child. Put it away when you're doing something special with your kids and really tune in to who they are. I'll tell you, it goes so quickly. I know for those of you that are in the thick of parenting, you're thinking, oh my word, this stage is never going to end. It does and it goes quickly and they grow up fast. And so you want to tune in and be present to them. Uh, you share on a practical way that parents can start listening to their children and you've mentioned one of the, uh, the way is to put the electronics away. Can you dig a little bit deeper also on some of the practical ways we parents can start listening and give our ears to our children? Yeah, so one of the ways that you can do that is the power of a one-on-one -on -one date. If you notice that one child is being really quiet, take that child on a special date. One-on-one -on -one time with you goes a long way. You know, we used to take our kids for donuts at 11 o'clock at night when they were teens. You know, Steve would notice that one child was more quiet than the other, and he'd say, come on, let's go for a date. Or we'd take uh, little ones on a date for ice cream and really try to hear their heart. Another way 
to get your kids to talk is the power of asking great questions. We don't want to interrogate as parents, but we want to ask fun questions. Questions like, when did you feel like a superhero today? Or what do you value most about your best friend? Or if you could build any car in the universe, what car would you build? Or if you could design a planet, what would it look like? You know, try to get them talking in a fun way so that when you have to ask the more serious questions, they're more open to that. Talk to us about how our phones, how our phones, our phones, these things here. Yeah. has impacted our parenting. Oh, there's a whole new term apparently called technoference. And it's because as parents, you know, we're attached at the hip to our phones, right? You get your email on your phone, you get text messages, you're checking Instagram, you're checking Facebook, maybe you're checking Twitter, the weather app. Listen, I love my phone too, but your phone is interfering with the times that you need to spend and really focus on your child. I remember one time when I was taking care of one of my little grandsons, I think he was about two at the time, and his dad came home from work and had his phone in his hand, and as he was asking me, well, how did Joshua do today? You know, he was scanning his email and everything. And Joshi was dancing around our family room trying to get his attention. And finally, he grabbed the phone out of our son's hand. And he said, Daddy, phone down. Listen to me. And I think a lot of kids would like to say that, you know. So we, we've got to put our phones away because they're really inhibiting our parenting. Becky, let's go to this question here. Your book also talks a lot about the emotions our children experience. In light of the current COVID crisis, both parents and kids are wrestling with anxiety. There is a stress, depression, mental health going on. What suggestions do you have for parents whose kids are wrestling with fear and anxiety? I love this question because it's so important. You know, I think historically the church has, without realizing it, sent both parents and kids the message that some of our emotions are wrong. You know, so it's wrong to worry or feel fear. It's wrong to get angry. And we kind of have categorized emotions into good emotions and negative emotions. And your child is created in the image of an emotional God. God felt angry. God felt jealous. God loves passionately. God wept. And so I think it, the starting place for these emotions is to give your kids permission to feel. I know for a, a lot of parents, you know, especially if they have a daughter who's really emotional, they end up shaming that daughter. Like you're always crying or why can't you stop crying or you're overreacting, you know, and that's just not helpful. Instead, we want to offer the gift of empathy to our kids. Empathy says, I understand your feelings. They make sense to me. And then you've got a starting ground for teaching your kids how to handle those feelings. And so whenever I think of empathy, I think of Jesus, actually, because Jesus left heaven, stepped into our shoes so that he could walk in our shoes and say, I understand. And that's the gift we have to give our kids. So in light of this COVID crisis, it makes perfect sense to me 
that kids are struggling with anxiety and fear. Think about your own life. As a parent, you're probably struggling with anxiety and fear. And at the very least, you're probably pretty stressed out because maybe in your area, school has turned to all virtual learning and you're trying to figure out how do I help my kid do virtual learning when I'm trying to do a job from home. So there might be a lot of emotions in your family. Take a break, back it up a little, sit down with your child and say, hey, what are you feeling? And let them dump. And then say things to them like, you know what? I've struggled with anxiety too. Even just this last week, trying to get my my assignments in on time or trying to accomplish what God's calling me to do. So your feelings make sense to me. Let's pray about it together and let's move forward together. We can help each other. And I, I think that sends a powerful message to your kids. Now, what suggestions would you give parents to help their kids express their emotions in a healthy ways? And so, uh, as Christian parents, a lot of times we shame kids for their emotions. Instead, we need to give them practical helps to number one, name their emotions, and then to come up with a game plan for how to handle those emotions. So for example, one of my little grandsons was pretty angry because he had worked really hard on his art project. And then his sister came into the room and she scribbled all over it. And poor little Noah was devastated. So he took his chair and he threw it over as a three-year-old or a four-year-old would do. And he was so angry. And I got down on my knee and I said to him, Noah, are you frustrated? And he said, yes. And I said, can you say I'm frustrated? And he said, I'm frustrated. And I said, that's a great response because I would be frustrated too if somebody scribbled all over my hard work. And so then later in the day, I wasn't sure if Noah really understood what I was saying. Later in the day, he was playing with his little friend who also has a younger sister. And the boys had built this elaborate car track. And the little sisters went in and knocked it over. And the two little boys came out in the family room where we were all sitting and talking. And they started dancing around the family room saying, I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated. And so it, it dawned on me that they really had understood what I was saying. And so we, I think we have to give our kids names for their feelings and then come up with a game plan. For example, if you are angry, what's a great way you could handle your anger? You can go stamp on a rug in your room. You can punch a pillow. You can say, I'm angry. You can write an angry letter, but you can't punch your sister, you know, or you can't knock over the TV or whatever your kids do when they're angry. And so giving them solutions to handle their emotions so that they can feel all their emotions and not be overwhelmed by their emotions. That's the key. Just in your personal experience, like you shared how to handle emotions with the kids, what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes we parents uh, make when our kids are so frustrated, uh, what is one mistake that you think we make in that area? 
Yeah, I think the biggest mistake we can make in that moment is to correct our child's feelings. You know, I grew up in a really dysfunctional home. And so often I was corrected for having the feeling. The feeling is neither right nor wrong. It's what you do with the feeling. And so it's not helpful to say to your child, no, you don't feel angry or you can't feel angry. They already do feel angry. So you may as well just teach them how to handle it. Don't correct their feelings. Instead, seek to connect with them by offering empathy for their feelings. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's dig a little bit deeper here. We have time. We have time for this. Our, our, because this is, this is big. Again, we're going to talk about these mistakes. What mistakes do you, do you frequently see parents make when they don't listen to their children. We've just talked about emotion, you've touched on that, but I feel there is a lot that you can unpack here. Please just unpack for us before we end the program. Well, and another mistake that we make, instead of really listening to help them understand their emotions and to help coach them through that is we try to push our own opinions you know especially as your kids get older in their late teen years you know they don't really want your advice sometimes you're going to give them advice but now for me i have adult kids and if i dive into advice they'll say mom we don't want advice we want empathy you know <laughs> and and so we have to watch it as parents sometimes we want our kids to agree with us and they don't they own their own opinions you know, the political polarization, uh, I don't know if it's like this in Canada, but right now it's huge in the United States. And that one of the mistakes that I see parents making is they want their kids to agree with them politically. And so they're spending all their time trying to convince their children of a certain opinion when perhaps it would be far better to seek to understand why your kid feels the way they do. So I, I, I think another mistake that we make is we try to control our kids, you know, because it's just, in some ways, I guess it's easier. You know, we want control and order in our homes. And so we focus on control and order rather than on connecting with our child. And that's a huge mistake because, you know, the bottom line is God didn't give you your kids so you could control them. He gave you your kids so you could raise them and point them to God, by how you live your life and certainly by some of the things that you teach but not by control control is really not of God it's an act of fear we focus on uh, so much control such that we lose the purpose of raising the kids this is powerful powerful stuff and to you our viewers i want you to get this book this is a life changing book if you are a parent i want you to get this copy of the book you can see it on the screen right there how to listen so your kids will talk by the way i have a free copy that i'll be sending out to one parent who's going to email info at kitv.com and we're going to send that book out to you now in closing here where can our listeners go to connect with you and purchase the copy of how to listen so your kids will talk 
I would love that. They can connect with me on Facebook, Becky Harling, author, speaker. They can connect with me on Instagram. Right now, I'm offering a lot of tips on parenting in my Instagram account, Twitter for sure. They can go to my website, beckyharling.com or harlingleadership.com. And if you click on, if you go to the store part and you click on the book, it takes you right to where you can purchase a copy. It has been an honor and a privilege to have you on this program, Becky. Oh, thank you. It's been my honor and privilege. What a joy. Thank you so very much. And for sure, we're going to have you once again on this program. Thank you. And to our viewers, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. Until then, shalom, shalom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.